skin is our body's largest organ taking care of our skin is as important as any other organ having good skin means proper maintenance to help it reach its full potential and our skin goes through a lot as we age between being exposed to the elements and sometimes lack of our care no wonder that our skin shows signs of aging while there are some things we can do to protect our skin sometimes it takes an expert like a dermatologist to delve deeper into this topic the guest of my show today is a leading dermatologist and cosmetologist and the founder and owner of Radiant Skin Clinic in Mumbai Dr Falgunisha Dr Falguni caters to several celebrity patients from India and overseas over years she has strived to bring science to the world of beauty and has taken specialized training in lasers and advanced cosmetic procedures from across the world like australia brazil singapore us and thailand welcome to the show dr falguni good evening doc thank you for having me on your show no great i think you know this this topic of beauty is not just skin deep uh, i think when we spoke about it uh, it resonated with both of us but before we get into deeper into the subject so to say i wanted to ask you you know what what prompted you to choose the field of dermatology uh, i know that uh, you know after finishing medicine dermatology is a like a coveted uh, specialty did you do it by choice uh, was there a personal experience that drove you to dermatology just wanted to understand that so um, dermatology is a coveted uh, branch today but when i passed my mbbs this is in 2000 and when i wanted to do my post graduation it was not it was not one of the you know streams that you first opt for however what it happened is when one of my this is a true story we were in our opd uh, when we were doing residency uh, we were appearing for our exams the entrance exams and uh, one patient and when i was in the skin opd that time because we we do rotations and in the skin opd one patient had come and told uh, my head of the department that time that uh, this was she said in the hindi language but i will say it in english that uh, cardiologist save someone's life and gynecologist helps you give uh, give your generation a new face but uh, doctor thank you for giving me back my dignity and um, it kind of struck home and i thought it was a very important thing to say that we keep talking about medicine to save lives but there is a deeper meaning to life which is dignity and soul and uh, which is very important to people though we don't address it as much so that's when i thought that it is something that i would like to do in future and then of course the rest is history because the whole field of aesthetic medicine opened up somewhere in 2004 and 5 but uh, i i had joined skin a little bit earlier than that so that's my story of how i decided to do I, I can, I can so relate to this because I think physical appearance uh, has such a strong significance to people all across the world. I think uh, how we appear, the color of our skin, you know, as your name of your clinic suggests, radiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it matters so much. Uh, so, in your experience now that you've been doing this for so many years, you know, what are some of the commonest skin conditions uh, that you think India is faced with? and i think india because of being a tropical country perhaps has a different set of challenges uh, maybe 
as compared to the Western world. So what are some of those concerns that you have seen in India? So um, the commonest, I think, which starts very early in life is acne, because we say that acne is always a self-limiting condition. It uh, The scars are not self-limiting. So by the time they go, they kind of scar your face and uh, they become almost permanent. So acne, I would say, tops the list even today. My second would be what I see most commonly is pigmentation and melasma. Melasma is the hormonal form of the pigmentation because more and more you call it lifestyle, you call it stress levels, you call it, um, which we will discuss through the podcast, wrong use of products. Pigmentation is come up in a very huge way. And then tropical or not, autoimmune conditions affect people all over. So we have psoriasis in that and eczema. And of course, vitiligo. So vitiligo though is also a pigmentary disorder. Somehow um, the social acceptance is, uh, social awareness and acceptance is still very low in our country. So it's more of a social stigma. So in that order of chronology, I would say acne, pigmentation, um, psoriasis, which is autoimmune disorders, vitiligo. And somewhere down the line, then we have the other more serious ones like uh, vesiculobulous disorders. They also are up there. Um, but that's the chronology. And does skin cancer feature in maybe the top 10 conditions? Um, so there has been a paradigm shift in this. The, when I passed uh, my dermatology, when I was doing my uh, post-graduation, so in our final exams, we couldn't find one patient of skin cancer. You know, we had one, you know how it is that you have one case which is given to a student. So there was this one Rukma Bai, I think, who was brought only for the exams and she was common to batches right from 1998 to 2002 because it was so difficult to find skin cancers you know we all knew our seniors would say Rukma Bai will come and you just have to write this and this is your diagnosis and it was that uh, rare well but I think this has changed because uh, you call it uh, genetic you call it stress levels or low immune system or unusual exposure to UV light. Um, melanomas and skin cancers are now, I wouldn't say they are still in the top five, but they are, I see I, I see and hear about them way more than what I have seen in the past two decades. So it is rising in incidence, for sure. Sure. And, uh, you know, you, you see a variety of patients. Uh, if you were to just sort of step back and divide the dermatology field, into two broad categories, as I call them, you know, the clinical uh, areas or the cosmetic areas. Uh, what's the what's the percentage that you see in your practice? You know, how many cases are true skin problems versus how many are more cosmetic and skin care related? So can I just divide this into three instead of two? One is uh, the clinical, which is uh, which in my practice somehow has come down to thirty percent. I wish it was not so, but it is because the world is moving towards aesthetic. The remaining another 30% would be aesthetic and sadly 40% is induced skin condition, which I also, there is a term for it, which has now come up, which we call it the sensitive skin syndrome, which is the skin type, which has been made sensitive by patients themselves because of overuse, wrong use of products or self-care because um, unfortunately uh, though people say that uh, skin is now a coveted uh, branch as you know uh, everything uh, before it rises up falls rock, rock bottom so we have a lot of uh, 
dilution in our field because of uh, wrong medications, wrong people practicing because not everybody is qualified to take care of skin. And then also, since it is an external organ, people take the liberty of forgetting that it's, it's just an organ. They keep feeling it is just something that needs to look good. So this is called an induced, the number of induced uh, skin conditions, I can't even tell you the proportion. Sure, almost so many like of them. self, so almost like self-inflicted. Self-inflicted wounds is what I I would like to call them because they've changed the demography of skin. Right. Completely. Sure, sure. No, that's a you know great insight that you know while I felt it was mostly into you know clinical problems and cosmetic. Now you're saying there's a larger percentage which is self-inflicted, and we'll probably delve deeper into it. But as the yes. you know title of our talk today is that beauty is not just skin deep, and let's start with the commonest problem that you have mentioned that is acne. Acne. Yes. I wanted to you know get your perspective for our our audience that how much of acne is contributed just by the skin itself, and how much of it is due to more something on the inside like you know hormonal changes like PCOS or any other hormonal changes. Uh, what's been your experience on acne overall? So acne largely, largely is hormonal. I mean, a very small percentage would be because of uh, use of wrong elements products. It, it does exist, but I would call those elements to be as aggravating factors and not the cause. So largely, I would still go as we have been taught in our textbooks that acne still continues to be hormonal. And um, we see them at puberty and I also think that nowadays onset of puberty is a lot earlier than what it was when in our times. So I have 10 and 11 year old girls and boys who come with not just one or two acne but a full-blown fulminant uh, grade 3 acne kind of profile. So uh, hormones happen to be big in hormones. Polycystic ovarian syndrome has almost become colloquial among young girls today because there you can have aggravating factors as lifestyle and stress levels and uh, just too much exposure to knowledge which is not required at that age, I feel is a huge contributing factor. So polycystic ovaries. Um, and what we have seen, what has differed uh, from what it was is this self-limiting acne would probably see its end by the mid-20s. And I see now there is no end to it. I mean, young girls which are in their early 30s and late 20s. And this is a whole new set which I, you know, have tried to make sense of it in my practice because the number of girls in their early 30s and late 20s which have come up with acne is kind of running parallel in percentage to the pubertal acne. That I see so many of them. And I feel um, a large part of that is also... Because we have tried to change our physiology or take our physiology in our hands ourselves. So there was a time when girls uh, used to probably uh, conceive in time or, uh, you know, start the second phase, the adulthood of their life in time. But now because life is such and uh, uh, we plan our lives a bit, a bit more than what we used to do in the past, uh, women are planning pregnancies much later. Like, you know, they're planning their pregnancies in the earth, in, on the other side of 30. Now, though there's nothing wrong in that and people have their reasons and you, you have your own judge of your own life, but your body physiology doesn't really understand this. 
So it does throw out the hormones and there is a resurgence of PCOS again in the late 20s and the early 30s. So adult acne is probably requires a recognition as an, a separate illness itself. Okay. And just wanted to ask you, uh, does us being in the tropics, you know, uh, the Indian subcontinent, uh, does that make us more prevalent to acne because of the, you know, high humidity? Uh, do we as Indians have a predilection for oily skin and does oily skin lead to acne? Is that a, is that a myth or that's, you know, some fact in that? So, um, it's not a myth, but I need to rephrase the fact that uh, hormones itself, so if I have to take it from below, hormonal activation makes your sebaceous glands or the oil glands a bit more active. Though These oil glands then produce more oil. Oil is a general breeding ground of bacteria and that invites more bacterial infection and thereby more acne. A second thing which has happened is um, in an attempt to reduce the oil, people do a whole lot of other things. So what happens is people feel that the best way to take care of oil is keep washing your face with multiple ads that you see on TV. Again, you use strong face washes. Uh, your skin is not a semi-permeable membrane. So it's not that everything you put from above goes down. So these face washes never reach the oil glands. What they do is they strip the skin of the water, the moisture. Now, once that happens, the skin gets more irritated. And once it gets more irritated, it then automatically produces more oil. And hence the acne only increases. So it's a cycle which is now going on. Um, and I think that's the way the whole thing is going. Because oil is produced much below the skin. It's a vicious cycle. And uh, people keep using um, stuff on their face. They keep using stuff on their face, which is um, eliminating the barrier of the skin it is eliminating the moisture and that elimination no i can i can relate to this so much because i've had so-called oily skin all my life i continue to do that and i use a, a face wash every day so before you you know tackle people at my age what would be your approach to treating acne what would you know for the you know pre-pubertal or the teenagers what would be their approach should what should their approach be what should it be for adults uh, you know, and what's this whole approach on keeping your skin healthy, you know, for acne? Maybe you could just uh, share some thoughts on so that. So, one is, let's uh, first understand that since oil is produced a little bit underneath, a whole lot of the production of oil should be governed more by your internal uh, things and not external products. It's one thing which we teach to understand. So, now, the, the, the biggest thing or the, the most important thing which will help in oil production is to control your stress levels or control the hormones and for that getting into a physically active life very early in life is important like again incidence of acne today is much more in even teenagers than what it was a few years or decades ago now that's because children then were a little bit physically more active today children are not that active you know they are more um on their laptops or their lives have become so stressful. I have a teenager at home and I see how her life is. So now she's 16 and two years ago, she used to regularly play basketball. And now I don't see her playing basketball because she's too glued to her laptops. Education has become a bit more complicated. Um, and I'm talking just about urban kids here. And so they don't spend time in physical activities at all. 
and because of that their hormones don't really see a settling time so that is one thing on having a physically active life secondly the kind of food we eat now this can be taken as a i mean i will have the text, textbook writers of dermatology come and you know protest that food has nothing to do with acne is what a textbook says but the kind of food we eat today is really compromising on our gut health because so much junk so much junk and the gut when it is not uh, in the right uh, ph i mean the gut is not doing its job right it leads to a whole lot of less fiber eat intake leads to a whole lot of constipation and other gut issues which then give rise to more acne because it increases the oil production so these two are paramount in uh, very it's very important to understand that your gut health and your emotional health play a big role in producing oil and we have solutions for that second like i said is the minute children see oily skin or anybody sees oily skin like neem and tea tree oil face wash which is there oh, on the shelf oily skin oily skin oily skin so they use that face wash they they wash their face dry to the point that it becomes stretchy and then they feel that oh my oil is gone from my skin whereas what has happened is it's taken out the transepidermal barrier that is the water completely off they feel good for 2 hours because the skin stays stretchy and then because the skin is irritated the oil glands further get activated and after 2 3 hours you have a resurgence of oil on the skin in fact like a rebound oiliness which comes up so maybe start using lighter cleansing products uh you know which are not foaming and detergent free and you use those kind of face washes nothing with too much fragrance and nothing with too much foam those are very important things to understand when you cleanse your skin and you maintain it from within with your gut health and your exercise routines so i hear three things one is physical activity uh, is extremely important uh, second is you mentioned that you know keeping your skin healthy by not using very toxic uh, elements uh, is there any particular name that you want to suggest a brand that you think people can use like i use himalaya i don't know if that's that's a good brand to use for skin can i help you and just can i help you just take that face wash off your shelf <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe that would help these kids so um yes using a detergent free non foaming face wash cetaphil is a good brand and um, and you know uh, i i just going to say this and i think this this need for the right products has also encouraged me to get into making my own products which is not something we will discuss here but um cetaphil as of now is something that i like for all to use because and then there are a lot of likes of cetaphil which are also available on the shelf so you could use that so you know it's if i may say that dry skin can give you acne it's almost come to that and when i mean dry i mean dry because there is no water and i don't mean irritated so try to irritate your skin less let it be normal okay understood and and of course last but not the least you mentioned about uh, you know eating less of to. processed food and more yes. natural fibrous food i think uh, i guess yes. our diet has become so dominated by processed food i think all of us can benefit from that so a very very good insight. you know i i i have a very um, simple thing which i tell my young teenagers who come to my clinic or acne that try avoiding everything which is white so sugar and white flour and all this because all of it which is with the 
GI with the glycemic index which is compromised is something that you can avoid for a better gut health. That's a nice way to try avoiding everything which is white, I guess. Someone else said anything that tastes good is not good for you actually. So that could be another way of putting it also. Mm. Right. And what about uh, adult onset acne? I mean, you know, some some insights about that and what can people do about that? So like I said, one is uh, we have the acne in the teenage age. Then we have uh, acne in the late 20s and early 30s. And then we have another adult acne, which could be even uh, on the other side of 40 or mid 40s, where we see a, a true concept, like how you get uh, acne at menarche. You will similarly also get acne at premenopause, because that's when again your uh, skin is changing. Now again, that is a little bit of a, a misleading thing, because what happens is when premenopausal women get acne, they kind of try doing the same thing that they had done when they were menarchal. You know, that they say that, oh, now again we have acne. But the difference is there the oil is rushing in. Post-menopause, the oil is going to go away. So you will have to change the kind of products you use to take care of that acne over what you are taking care of acne in your teenage age. Sure, sure. Okay. Understood. No, great. Thank you so much for this. I think this will be very useful. These are very simple, uh, easy to uh, adopt. In fact, contrary to what most people might think they need yes. to do, in, you know, and, uh, you know, post acne, uh, I've seen, as you said, you know, the the scars that sometimes remain, um, <clears throat> you know, those scars not just remain on the skin, but they actually scar the personality of the person. Uh, so your experience on how do you deal with post acne scars and some tips on those things? So one is... Uh... I would like to divide these scars also into two kind of brackets. One, you have acne leaves some marks, which we call them blemishes. Now, these are to be just as lay as I can about them. They they are either dark or black or brown or red in color. Okay, and those are the blemishes which will get taken over by time itself. All that you will need to do is protect it from the sun. So use a sunblock and regularly and over a period of time skin is a very forgiving organ for the longest time it keeps multiplying on its own so the natural physiology of the skin will look after that the problem is when you start leaving scars scars are those khaddas those pits as we see on the now who gets pits and who doesn't get pits is not determined by the acne but the skin type so certain skin types are prone towards developing scars and if you see even one pit developing on your face, that means you are the kind of skin which will scar. And that's when maybe you would want to meet a dermatologist while the acne is there. Because even today, we have a whole lot we can do about acne, but can we really reverse a scar? I will still go by saying that we can reduce the intensity and the depth of a scar. We cannot overturn it. So the best cure for scars is prevention. And it is something that when you, when you see it coming, if you meet your dermatologist, you'll be able to reduce the intensity of the acne and thereby reduce the chances of your scarring. These are great tips. Thank you so much. I think the audience will really benefit from this. Moving uh, from acne, uh, you know, you mentioned the next biggest area that you get is, you know, pigmentation. Uh, yes. Could you just maybe touch upon that and, you know, share your your experience on skin pigmentation and, you know, how can we get better informed on that so again pigmentation uh, for the larger audience one is you 
you see the typical butterfly shape pigment on your skin and we call it melasma and that it kind of takes a shape on your upper malar area or the upper cheek area and the nose um, this is strongly hormonal and very often genetic i mean uh, you will see in your genetic like the, the mother the masi or anybody in the family will be having it so you have a tendency for developing that and then the other kind is see where where some people genetically have a patchy skin tone that means it is dark in certain areas it is light in light in certain areas so the perioral area is dark the periorbital area is dark so there are shades on your skin now um both every time when you have a pigment the first thing you need to do is you need to see that your skin has enough hydration like i mentioned earlier hydration is the water content that is so even oily skins can be dehydrated because the 10% water binding capacity of your skin is something that needs to be there because it's only this water binding capacity which will protect you from the sun from pollution from all the external factors so your skin needs to be hydrated so using a good moisturizer and a sunscreen are paramount like a broad spectrum sunscreen everybody with pigment needs to use thankfully we have a whole lot of formulations now which will suit all kinds of skin types which are there the earlier common problem i used to have is patients used to feel say that the sunscreen is very sticky rock i can't apply it and but now we have different we have gel we have mineral we have lotion we have fluids um we have tinted so there are multiple kinds of sunscreens that one can apply and if you are prone towards pigmentation ideally you must use a tinted sunscreen tinted sunscreen is something which has a color in it now a tinted sunscreen protects you from uv radiation as well as blue light so it is the ideal sunscreen to use if you are prone to pigmentation so use that sunscreen and hydrate your skin by using the right kind of moisturizer depending on your skin type which you need these are two main steps and stop using fragrances anything which is fragrant on your skin like a fragrant moisturizer or a good smelling foundation or a good smelling lipstick all that should stop that's a great tip anything which has fragrance should be avoided and these uh, you know pigmentation how are how can they be differentiated from say you know dark spots or say people have dark circles uh, you know yeah. is there a is there an insight for people on this so uh, pigmentation one like i said is that butterfly thing that is very classic it's a diagnostic thing you will actually see it coming forming a butterfly on your face the other kind like you said um, which i said it makes your skin patchy i've generally seen that if you have pigment just around your eyes uh, you could call it dark circles but along with that if you see that the perioral area or the area around the mouth is also getting patchy and then there is a classic pigmentation which happens on the forehead that you feel that the, your forehead is a little darker than the rest of your skin then when there are multiple shades in multiple areas and the skin is a little dull and dehydrated you could call it pigmentation and not just dark circles because dark circles will be limited only to the periorbital or the under eye area it won't be spreading everywhere any tips on dark circles doc very good you can floor me on this you know i can leave the show on this okay it is the uh, first is i would like to say that indians per se have a different peri uh, orbital structure we have a hollowing around the eye and uh, you know that is called a tear trough and it is very very uh, uh, peculiar to the indian subcontinent even anatomically 
because we have a groove which is around the eye and this groove is we, we in fact in our uh, few books and anatomy sessions we also call it the indian line because it extends from the medial canthus or, or from the eye and it goes right downwards to the middle cheek and it separates the eye area from the uh, rest of the face so this groove is kind of what whenever there is a groove light doesn't get reflected because it's a valley kind of thing there so the reflection of light is less and that's why the area around the eye always looks darker in people who are from our continent however other than that um, i will not go on the cliche thing of sleep well eat well because that people know that yes if you don't sleep well you will have dark circles but having good antioxidants in your uh, diet and otherwise helps because antioxidants generally take care of as you know free radicals and free radicals can cause a lot of pigmentation so you could start antioxidants and must use a sunscreen around the eyes too and start with basic keep your eye area hydrated by using a good moisturizer around the eye i mean i have heard some uh, funny things where people come and say i don't put a vaseline around my eye because vaseline makes my skin darker so there are these concepts also which are complete myths so please hydrate the under eye i think hydration seems to have become i think from your you know last almost half an hour that we have been speaking hydration seems yes, to have come out as a very strong point which can take care of so many different things in the skin i think you know if 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 i may just you know fortify this thing because as a structure uh, since as you already know the skin is the only external organ there has to be something which is naturally protecting the skin i mean it was there for a cause and that natural protection is at 10% water which we call as the transepidermal water which is there and that is compromised like 90% of skin types because of wrong use of products sometimes no use of products because there are there is a certain type who also says that my grandmother never used anything and she has such beautiful skin so i want to not going to use anything so that's another extreme moving on to you know the other areas of uh... skin care that people come to you perhaps is you know anti aging would that be a large uh, large proportion of your cosmetic uh, patients and customers who want to you know look younger or keep their skin tighter the whole anti aging phenomena is 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 that a big area for you oh it's a, it's an extremely big area because you see now every birthday Like when you say somebody is celebrating the fortieth, they say the forty is a new thirty, and the fifty is a new forty, and the sixty is a new thirty. I don't know, you know, it's all over. So the, what they totally mean by that is since uh, modern medicine has uh, made lives the way they are, people tend to live longer, and as and if they're living longer, they want to live well also. One of the living well definitions is also look youthful if not young, because if you're feeling a certain way, you would like to look a certain way. and uh, so it's become a big part of aesthetic medicine per se where people want their skins to want themselves overall to look a little bit younger than what they would ideally have looked without help at 50 and a huge part yes yeah and then you know so you no know, i've i've heard of things like dermal fillers and other oh. anti aging treatments uh maybe you want to just share some light on that you know there were or shed some light on what are the various anti aging treatments that you think people can take uh, and what's the right time for people to maybe think about taking anti aging treatment we hear about botox and you know other things like prp 
so just maybe you could shed some light on this whole anti-aging treatment area. So um, anti-aging largely we can divide as invasive and non-invasive. Non-invasive is when you do use your various lasers and machines and everything and you do things from above to keep your uh, skin a little bit more youthful. And when I mean skin, I'm only talking about collagen because collagen is uh, the complex protein which is there in the skin which gives it the youth. So this is to build up on collagen. So in that we have your radio frequency and then you have the ult therapy or the HIFU which we call as high intense focused ultrasound. And then you have another gamut where you have your botulinum. Botox is just a brand name but it's they have marketed it like Colgate. So it's Botox for everyone but botulinum is the name of the molecule and then you have dermal fillers which are hyaluronic acid. That comes in the invasive part. Who should use them? Well, um, the non-invasive things, and I and, and I would also like to change the concept here and say that when you say anti-aging, it's also largely now accepted that anti-aging has become more of prevention of age rather than reversal of age. Um, so these can be started as early as when you're in your 30s because you want to multiply the collagen, multiply the collagen to keep it a certain way so you don't really have to go into. So you could start with non-invasive and then don't get into the injectables till you are okay with it. Um, another part about the injectables are now they are largely used not just as an anti-aging tool but also as a facial recontouring. So to look a certain way without surgery, people use these fillers like if you want higher cheekbones or you want a sharper chin or you want to remodel the face, we can use the fillers for that too. It's used differently also. Um, I personally believe that nobody under that when you're under 25, you should not touch any, even for facial contouring, I would even go up to say till 30, that don't get into knee injectables till then, because I feel that life is long, you can probably get into it a little later. Um, but uh, yeah, the market is exploding and uh, almost everybody now is aware of it. And uh, people do want to do it. And if it is in safe hands, it is a very safe thing to do. As long as everything is done in the right proportion and in the right clinical way. Yeah, I was just reading a statistic that dermal fillers as a global market will be almost, you know, $7 billion in the next five years. So do you think India is becoming more accepting to, you know, dermal fillers and injectables now? I think it is. And also people have... Um, uh, people have started calling the bluff of most of these celebrities who have said that we use only olive oil to look the way we look at 53. Um, so, uh, you know, so I think uh, that's where uh, people have started realizing that it can't be olive oil and good genes. Um, your hyaluronic acid fillers are having a part to play. So, yes, people are getting a bit more accepting. But largely, we will still take time to open up. You know, we, we still are very closed... Uh, community and we would do things but the the tagline of all my patients before they step out is when I go home no one should know that I have done it so we still are there but uh, we are progressing right right better than before yes sure now to touch upon you know that 40% uh, of your patient population which you said is self-inflicted you know or more oh. induced uh, could you shed, you know, shed more light on this? You know, what are the things that people are doing to actually harm their skin? And uh, what are the simple steps that people should avoid going forward? So let me give you uh, um, an example, Doc. 
like in the pandemic since everything was shut and we were doing so much of online and uh, not going to the clinic and helping our patients with prescriptions and so i would have you know young girls who would actually call me up and say uh, they would not say they would say uh, I started using niacinamide and I am using salicylic acid and I was I was wondering if these things have become colloquial you know rather than saying that I'm using a face wash or I'm using a moisturizer they actually giving me names of ingredients and that's to the thanks to this entire social media volcano which erupted in the pandemic and everybody would say I'm using vitamin C I'm using uh, arbutin I'm using glycolic acid and it was worrying me that that's fine why are you using it i mean what's the thing it's like just i want my skin to get brighter so i'm going to use arbutin i mean instead of finding out why your skin is dull you're telling me what you're going to do for it without gel i mean it is a it's it's going crazy at another level so what happens is people start using these active ingredients as suggested by influencers on social media or the neighbor who suddenly thinks that my friend is looking nice so they are just sharing names of ingredients earlier it was at least they were just sharing names of a fair and lovely that acha fair and lovely you can use now it has come to use 5% azelaic acid it's that kind of uh, that kind of um, information overload or misinformation is what has uh, made the skin types more and again as i like would like to say that uh, ideally skin cannot be sensitive sensitive skin is a skin disease and not a skin type okay and because your skin is external it better be able to take care of everything which is around it's made for a cause but by using these wrong products you're more and more and more making your skin sensitive so it becomes a cycle you start using these products your skin doesn't take anything after some time then you come to a doctor and say doctor my skin is very sensitive please it shouldn't harm my skin you've already harmed it by coming here and so use of wrong products is a huge thing and then also i saw the pandemic gave rise to another population which said i believe all this is not required and i don't i'm going to do everything natural so then they will put everything from besan to toothpaste to whatever is made in the kitchen on their face and not realizing that uh, at the end of the day when you say i'm putting a tomato on my face or i'm putting cucumber on my face the cucumber is not doing anything it's a juice of the cucumber which is actually acid uh the tomato whatever serum the tomato is releasing is an acid so we had so many reactions thanks to these all the vegetables which were put on the face and it was like again we had to get the skin back to its normal ph so i think it's uh, skin has been really really ill treated of late i think <laughs> i think you know instead of putting those on the skin eating those ingredients eat like it, cucumber eat yes <laughs> please eat it it is going to give you the best skin because it's such a good fiber thing correct 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 did uh, wearing masks uh, have any effect on the skin because you know i are reading somewhere that uh, what they call as a mask rash mask yeah lot mask of induced lot of acne or something like acne. that and, yeah yeah so what's yeah, been your it, experience it, over the last yeah yeah the the mask uh, maskne as we call it there was a new terminology which came up you know the social media is very quick at giving a name to everything so maskne was a terminology which has been used by influencers acne induced by mask well it's a reality it's not a myth because when you were wearing masks we saw a whole lot of acne resurgence on the lower face 
because two reasons one is uh, initially you know people didn't really understand that you need to keep changing your masks so they kept using the same masks the same mask nikalke was kept somewhere and then you again rewear it and you go so it uh, had a lot of uh, bacterial resurgence which was coming on also uh, prolonged wearing of masks was also you know because the stress of the holes the skin was going through some kind of stress was also producing more oil on the lower face so more acne and i think generally dog pandemic um, did get a whole lot of emotions out so stress levels were not the best so that itself gave a rise to a lot of acne because hormones went all over i know you mentioned in the beginning you know stress plays a big role and huge uh, huge yeah yeah absolutely these are all great points i, I think before i come to the end i wanted to quickly touch upon uh, two conditions that perhaps are also very common as you mentioned earlier one is psoriasis and second is eczema yeah. maybe a few points yeah. on each of them if you could share please so um psoriasis and eczema both eczema let me put it like that is not a skin disease it is a skin symptom so eczema could be a part of a psoriasis can give rise to eczema eczema could be a symptom which has happened to a whole lot of autoimmune conditions so both are autoimmune conditions where uh, your immunity itself is fighting itself and that's why you're getting all this uh, aggravating factors are of course stress stress is a huge aggravating factor for psoriasis and dry skin so uh is there something that one can do to prevent psoriasis i i'm not sure we can do it because, but once you get it psoriasis can uh, the spectrum is very large it comes from very mild to extreme but by keeping your skin hydrated if you have a family history of psoriasis or autoimmune disorder keeping your using zero fragrance on your body having a fit lifestyle where you're working out so that your stress levels are under control all this will help in stronger um, what stronger episodes of psoriasis to come up because psoriasis does come up whenever the winters are around or whenever the stress levels are very high so you could actually you know curtail the attacks down of psoriasis uh, but it's a whole it's it's very very it's off late also again very common because a number of lesions which come up in psoriasis are way more now our same patients who had psoriasis and were always over in remission have suddenly come up with new patches so that we are seeing a lot also in practice now big deal and uh, you know i mean i i've been told i don't have any personal experience but uh, your views on alternative uh, treatments for psoriasis like people say ayurveda offers some uh, some relief for psoriasis have you have a have you had any experience on that not really i mean uh, i on a personal level i'm i'm not sure whether that uh, works but uh, like i'm saying not taking away from any field of medicine or any science sometimes if patients believe that it is helping and it is calming them then they're still doing it so a whole lot of them are doing it you know i've i've been seeing you for so many years now we are you know friends at the club and i have seen how your skin truly glows you you you've actually not aged in the last 10 years that i've known you uh you know taking you as an example what would you you know suggest as other good habits or you know few say maybe five takeaways for people to emulate what you do uh you know what is it that you do to keep yourself looking so radiant so young you know uh, always looking the same for the last 10 years so maybe some tips for our listeners are uh, the audience you know what can they do 
One is thank you so much for the compliment coming from you means a lot. Well, um, what I have not given up in life forever is the fitness routine because I think uh, um, everything said and done, like you say, that skin beauty is not skin deep and skin is also not just skin deep. Um, a whole lot of it is within. So when you're exercising, you are somewhere being able to control your mind over your body and, uh, and that itself is a big plus where skin is concerned. Your hormones are stable, um, your chances of pigmentation, your acne, everything is on, is taken care of. Second is I always use a sunblock because again, the idea of sunscreen is not that I don't want to get dark or this one is fair. The idea of sunscreen after a certain age is uh, to preserve your collagen because when you're not using your sunscreen, your collagen denatures. So using a sunscreen is extremely important to keep the skin elastic. I'm not talking about skin color. So use a sunscreen, come watch me. Uh, all your cleansers, use, please cleanse and exfoliate your skin uh, at least three to four times a week exfoliation because if you help the skin in its normal turnover, your skin naturally will produce more skin. You know, So it's a very natural way of keeping the skin cycle uh, there. And use a good uh, moisturizer. These are the three things. So cleansing, moisturizing, sun protection. Follow the three steps of uh, skincare. Add a little bit of fitness to that. I think you, your visit to the dermatologist will get postponed. <laughs> and I was going to ask you that. Is there a is there a recommendation that you know uh, should there be an annual skin checkup like we do an annual checkup for the dentist or we do annual health checkups for our cholesterol or liver function? Should there be is there a recommended age or a recommended routine for skincare? You know what. Earlier, I would have not even uh, dwelled on this. I would say, no, if you need a doctor, you go to a doctor. But because of what I see now, I really feel that instead of following influencers, you follow your dermatologist and come and see them once a year to get your routine sorted. Because it will give more scientific way and the night, the, because everybody wants to go into skincare, then might as well do it the right way. Like, you know, visit your dermatologist once a year to, to understand how the skin has progressed over one year. And use those products. And uh, this, you know, these tips that you gave, uh, these are gender agnostic, right? I mean, not only for women, even men can do the same thing, right? Putting men should, men should so yes, yes, men should do the same thing. Otherwise, the women will always look better. <laughs> that they anyways do. So I think there's yeah. no competition <laughs> there. You know, as the name of my show is, it's called Unburden Your Health or Unburden Healthcare. Sure. And I know you are, you know, you are doing a lot of things, but. Is there anything specific that you are doing to keep yourself healthier, fitter, uh, both physically, mentally, emotionally? What is your health tip that you are following for this year, for example? So my health tip for this year is less of social media and less of content TV and more of going back to the books. I don't know whether this makes sense, but reading or opening a book, I, I actually, you know, when, when, when that question was put, when I was thinking that what will... What does unburden mean when I was reading your link? And I was like, okay, we should do this, we should do that. And then I said, let's be just truthful on the show. And I really feel that just watching rubbish sometimes and listening to rubbish itself can really take away so much from life. So just picking up a book and reading somehow is so much more on the right path for me this year. Absolutely. No, I, can, I can again relate to what you're saying because there was somebody who I follow on Twitter who said that at the airport lounge, he was sitting next to the television screen and uh, he was watching the news 
but he chose to move away from that and sat next to the garbage can and he felt less stressed so i guess yes, you know there's yes. much more garbage on the screen than actually in the garbage can and i think avoiding um, you know social media digital platforms and going back to reading a you know book in its uh, physical state i think has a different charm altogether uh, but this oh, has absolutely. been a wonderful conversation falguni thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today i'm sure our listeners are going to benefit a lot and you know we'll probably share some links for our listeners to get in touch with you if they need to have any you know follow on questions but thank you again you know keep uh, you so showing much. us the path of looking the best feeling the best and you know being the best so thank you thank you so much doc thank you it was a pleasure and that's a wrap for our episode today thank you so much for listening new episodes are out every alternate tuesday if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe to our show you can listen to our show on all major podcasting platforms like google podcast apple podcast and wherever you listen to your podcast form if you are an apple or an ios user you can share your ratings and reviews on the apple podcast app if you have any questions related to health or would like to share your feedback you can reach me on my social media handles at dr sanjay arora on linkedin and facebook and dr_sanjay arora on instagram